You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Nate Lawson about cementing dental ceramics. Dr. Lawson is an assistant professor in the Division of Biomaterials at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. He is passionate about testing new materials and techniques in the laboratory and applying the results in clinical dentistry. Dr. Lawson's primary research interests are related to the physical and mechanical properties of dental ceramics, composites, cements, and adhesives. Dr. Lawson, thanks for joining us on Dental Talk. Thank you so much, Val. So you've done a couple of podcasts for us in the past. Um, they've been very interesting, and this one's on cementing dental ceramics. And you know, as we talked about in a previous podcast, there's a lot of confusion about bonding to ceramics, especially zirconia. So if you could steer us in the right direction on this, when do we need to bond to zirconia? That's a um, really great question. And uh, th- we've actually collected some uh, research data recently about bonding preferences for uh, uh, different dentists. And this was collected through the something called the Practice Based Research Network, which is a uh, a large NIH grant that's that's housed uh, within actually our university here, but the studies are spread out kind of across the country. And we looked at uh, 200 different dentists and uh, that recorded the types of cement that they used to bond 20 consecutive crowns. So we got all of this really interesting information. And one of the things that I, I looked at, took out of the data, was to see what kinds of uh, cements dentists were actually using for different types of crowns. And and what I thought was neat was if you look at zirconia crowns, uh, about 30% of the dentists were bonding zirconia crowns. And when you looked at lithium desilicate, it was 70% of the dentists were bonding those. So you see a, uh, a bigger trend towards uh, bonding the lithium desilicate crowns. And with the zirconia, you saw only about 30% of those crowns being bonded. And and that kind of gets to the question of, you know, when are those times when you need to bond to, to zirconia crowns? And, and I would say that there are definitely some clinical situations where I would consider uh, bonding to zirconia crowns and where in a lot of times I'll get the question from people, well, if you're going to bond, why don't you just use lithium disilicate uh, material and bond to that. But there's these, a couple particular situations where I feel like it's it's preferable to use zirconia and where I definitely feel like you need to bond to it. So the one that's probably the most common is a lot of time when I'm doing these short molars, uh, second molars, a lot of times where I've got this limited occlusal space. And so I'm nervous to put, you know, a, a weaker material like a, like a glass or material. I'd rather have a stronger material like a zirconia. But again, because of the, the tooth is so short, my, my prep is only, you know, a couple um, a millimeter and a half tall or something like that. So I've got this really short prep. And so I want to take advantage of the strength of the zirconia, but I need to bond it. So that's something that, again, happens to me commonly where I decide that I'm going to be bonding a zirconia crown. Um, another one is for, you know, this is much, much, much less common, you know, the very few Maryland bridges that I've ever had to do. I think what you, what you struggle with there is if it's, if you go with lithium disilicate, you're, you know, a lot of people trust that bond more, but then you've got a connector that's out of a weaker material versus, uh, zirconia where you've got a stronger zirconia connector. And then that's, that's the material that I prefer to use would be to use the zirconia and then you've got your uh, then you have to bond to your zirconia there and then the other one is if I've got if I'm doing some kind of work in the anterior and I've got a discolored preparation and if I've got a uh, like if I'm doing a 
a single central or a single lateral or something like that in my in the in the tooth is the preparation itself is discolored and I want to block that stump and I like using a layered zirconia and if that stump is also short then I'm thinking about bonding to it in order to you know for the retention so those are a couple situations where I can think of where it's preferable to use zirconia and I definitely um, want to bond to it but a lot of clinical cases that I'm doing with zirconia I'm, I'm, I'm not bonding to it mm-hmm. um, and, what, and again the, sorry yeah yeah what would you so explain what you do for the cases where you don't bond so yeah, so the, so definitely yeah, the, part of the advantage of not bonding to zirconia is it's just easier, less steps, and then maybe even more importantly is just the isolation is less critical. So when I'm if I'm bonding in the in the posterior part of the mouth, it's I mean it can be really challenging to get good isolation that you need to get with the resin cement. So one of the things with resin cements is even though you can get a higher bond to dentin with the resin cement. Or once that tooth has become con- contaminated with saliva, uh, you'll actually get a lower bond strength than you would with a resin-modified glass onomer. So contaminate, bonding to uh, saliva-contaminated dentin uh, is, is a no-go for me. So, I mean, there's some tricks. Like one of the tricks I learned from uh, a guy named Augusto Robles, who I work with, who teaches me a lot of cool tricks, is uh, taking these cardboard dry angles and putting them on the lingual and buccal vestibule and and kind of splaying them open and that gives you some isolation in order to bond posterior crowns but if i can't get any kind of good isolation then i then i don't feel like it's worth it to try to to, to bond and, yeah, and that's a very uh, interesting uh statement that you made about what when you're bonding with a resin cement with with bonding agents um and that's contaminated what do you, do you ever measure how much less retention you get than if you use a straight glass uh, glass onomer where you wouldn't need the bonding so um, I guess it depends on the how much contamination you have, right? So I, so I, I've, I haven't done that. So I found one place in the literature to so show that in, in my study. It was, a, um, it was a, a study that was done a while back, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of, I think, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the reference, but it, they looked at bonding. I think it was uh, bonding to bovine teeth, but they looked at, uh, bonding to, to bovine dentin with a glass onomer, resin modified glass onomer, and resin cement with both um, uh, contaminated and non-contaminated surfaces, and I mean the bond was was much much higher uh, with the resin cement on the, with than resin modified if the glass onomer if the if it wasn't contaminated, but then once it was contaminated, the bond with the resin cement was lower than the RMGI you know, if both surfaces were contaminated. So mm-hmm. that, that, you that know, does, I, that's a big factor. But, you know, the isolation to, um, devices that they have out there today are pretty good. I know Zerk. Yeah, that's another. Yeah, yeah. Zerk has one. I, I don't know what it's called. Mr. Thirsty or something? I don't know. It sounds right. Or the Isolite. Is, Isolite is another uh, one. That's another good one. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, Cave Kerr has one too. Has okay. a, has Has a, some sort of device that isolates and they're really effective i guess these companies like cave occur came out with them because they they sell bonding agents and they want them to obviously perform as high as possible so yeah yeah, let's let's uh get some isolation while we're doing it um so short molars maryland bridges short discolored preps those are all indications and the short molars that you talk about happens all the time you know yeah that's probably the most common yeah yeah i mean it's not uncommon to have like two millimeters of crown structure in the back with uh, very little interocclusal space, so um, yeah. you know you know that that 
you need a strong crown over there that's going to stay on. So if you can isolate, you want a bond zirconia, you're saying, and if you can't, you'll just go with the resin modified glass on or cement. Yep, and, and if it's, I mean, and if it's a tall preparation with, you know, if my, if it was the one, you know, the stars were aligned and my prep looks beautiful, uh, you know, the resin modified glass on or glass on or cement is, uh, is, is fine. But yeah, if it's, if it's a short prep or if it's an over tapered prep, um, or if it's one of those other clinical situations I was talking about, then I, then that's when I'm thinking the the resin cement. And the and the sandblasting when you're talking about zirconia, that's very important <clears throat> to do with the bonding. Yeah, yeah. Going back to yeah, our earlier podcast, if I'm if I'm bonding one of these zirconia materials, I'm I'm sandblasting the integral surface of the crown and then uh, applying an MDP containing primer. Right, right. So if you, if you want to learn more about the uh, MDP primer. Um, that's available through Curare and I think Bisco with Monobond Plus with Bisco Clear Fill Ceramic Primer from Curare. I think you mentioned as universal yeah, pri- universal primers. Yep, and the the um, Monobond was the Ivoclar, and yeah, the uh, Curare makes the Clear Fill Ceramic oh, Primer. Oh, Monobond Plus is Ivoclar. Monobond Plus, yep. Yeah. Sorry about that. So, I thought okay. you mentioned Bisco first. Oh, that was Z. Bisco makes Z Prime, yeah. Right. Okay. We hear so much about zirconia being such a great uh, material, which which it really is in a lot of ways. Why do zirconia crowns come off? Is that iatrogenic? Uh, tell us about that. So yeah, so um, you know, every once in a while, you know, crowns will uh, come off, and I think it's different for a different clinical situation. But one of the things that I'll tell people, if you want to get an idea of why your crowns are coming off, if they are, uh, you've got you can play a little game where you look at the inside of the crown and you look at, at the tooth preparation and see where the cement is. So if you look at the inside of the crown and you've got a bunch of cement inside of there, that means you're not bonding so well to the tooth and it's either an isolation thing or maybe the the cement that you're using isn't bonding well to the tooth. Um, or if you, but if you look at the inside of the, the crown and there's nothing there and you see a bunch of cement on your tooth, then you know that maybe you're not treating the ceramic surface pre- uh, properly. So either the internal surface of the ceramic wasn't cleaned well, that you weren't using the right primer. Um, so that's kind of the uh, uh, a clue as to where you can improve the bonding. And to be honest with you, when I'm if I think about my experience and looking at our our clinic and the school, I've seen more crowns come off with cement on the inside of the crown. So meaning that we wasn't getting a good of a bond to the tooth structure itself. And and I think a lot of that has to could be due to isolation, and some of that could be due to uh, the cement choice. If you're using a, a weaker cement, like a resin-modified glass on or cement, it's compared to a, a, a resin cement um, as far as bonding to the tooth. That's my best uh, advice, I think, that, that I'd start off telling someone that, that's having a problem with debonding of their crowns. Is- if you look in the inside of the crown and you look at the surface of the tooth and half the cement is on the inside of the crown, Half of it's on the tooth. That means you're doing everything wrong, right? You're not doing anything yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the glass onomer, though, uh, isn't that a um, chemical bond to the tooth? Versus, I thought the glass onomer actually has a chemical bond to the dentin versus yeah, the resin cement. I mean, the resin cement, I guess, bonds to the tooth through the hybrid layer. So that's, mm-hmm. but that's more mechanical, isn't it? So yeah, that, that's that's always a, a, a kind of a topic of debate is about this, you know, comparison of the bond between a resin cement and a resin modified a glass onomer, a glass onomer type material. Because yeah, the the there is some indication that there's a 
uh, chemical bond between the polycrylic acid in a, in a glass onomer type material and the calcium in your tooth structure as compared to with a uh, resin cement that's forming this hybrid layer, which is kind of a combination of, a, of the demineralized dentin and the uh, resin component of your uh, either your primer or the cement. So um, even though the, the glass onomer has this kind of chemical you know, component of the bond, if you look at the bond strength tests that we do in crown retention tests, you'll always show that a resin type material is going to have a stronger bond than a glass onomer type material. Uh, so even though, you know, it's a different mechanism, the bond itself is stronger with the with the resin-based materials than it is with the uh, uh, glass onomer or resin-modified glass onomer type uh, cements or materials. So how do you clean a zirconia crown before bonding? Um, what do you recommend? So yeah, that that is that has gotten to become a um, a, a hot topic with um, cleaning out zirconia crown. So if we if we think back to the days of uh, before zirconia bonding, before talking about just Emacs bonding or por feldspathic porcelain bonding, you could um, try the crown in and you get salivary contamination, and then you would clean the crown off with phosphoric acid in order to get all the phospholipids that were in your um, saliva off of the crown. Then people were doing that with zirconia crown and they noticed this problem with debonding problems. And, and what it is, is that when you've got, we've talked a little bit about the molecule MDP that bonds to the zirconia. If you, uh, first of all, if you try the crown and you get phospholipids in your saliva stuck on the zirconia crown, the MDP can't bond. But then also if you try to put um, phosphoric acid, the blue phosphoric acid on the inside of your crown to clean the crown off. Um, the, the, there's phosphate groups in the phosphoric acid that stick to the zirconia and so your MDP won't stick to that either. So you can't clean off the crowns with phosphoric acid. So how do you uh, clean the inside surface of a zirconia crown off? Um, and that's where uh, one solution was there's a material called Ivoclean and uh, Ivoclean's from from Ivoclar and it's a and it's a super saturated solution of zirconia. So again, these phospholipids in our saliva like to hang out on zirconia. So it, it'll hang out on our zirconia crown. But if we put Ivoclean, which is a super saturated concentration of zirconia in the crown, then those phospholipids say, oh, well, I'm sick of this crown. I'm going to go where there's even more zirconia in this super saturated concentration and they go in the ivoclean and then you rinse them off and so that's that's the concept of, of ivoclean mm -hmm. um giving another the, and giving the phospholipids what they're what they actually really want right <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah, and then tr tricking them and then right. yeah then uh, washing them out uh the other the, another way that works though we, we test in the lab is you can just re-sandblast your crown so we'll take the crowns uh we'll try them in and then we've got a little Microetcher and we'll re-sandblast the inside surface of the crowns and then rinse it out and try it in. Um, one of the disadvantages of that is it's anybody that has a, a chair-side microetcher or sandblasters, you can get messy even though they try to put it in the garbage can or whatever. So um, is that glass beads or aluminum particles? Yeah, the aluminum particles are um, are great at cleaning it out. I don't, you know, we haven't tested to see if you can use the glass to, to clean them out, uh, but the testing we've done so far has been with aluminum particles okay. to re-clean them out. And um, but one of the things that's you know that's hasn't uh, is starting to come out, and I've heard people talk about, it, and I just I, w I think 
couple of weeks ago reviewed an article uh, where they were looking at a, a material that's sodium hypochlorite based. Mm -hmm. So cleaning the crown out with bleach. Right. And that would be nice because that's less messy than sandblasting and it's readily available. So I would say, you know, as far as evidence goes, I haven't seen as much evidence for that as I have with, you know, there's been a lot of papers about Ivoclean and we published one and sandblasting. We have an article and there's been other articles about sandblasting. Um, but I think maybe bleach would be a nice option. If you can clean the crowns out with, uh, with bleach, that would be, that what, would be what nice. uh, dilution of the bleach do you recommend? I don't know. We haven't, uh, we haven't, we haven't tested it in the, in the study that I read, it was actually a commercial product where the active ingredient was bleach. And so, mm -hmm. um, so that they weren't using straight bleach, but I know that there, but there are people I've seen out there talking about um, cleaning crowns out with bleach. So right. I'm not, I'm not sure which. Uh, well, it works for root canal. It works for endodontics, <laughs> sure. We, yeah. we, in in my endodontic practice, we uh, routinely use 10% bleach, 90% okay. water, and uh, it, it uh, denatured the proteins, and it was great material for dissolving uh, organic debris. So mm -hmm. I guess it's yeah. works similarly on the uh, phospholipids. I assume I don't know. Yeah, I guess, and I guess the the question would be: Does it ha does it interfere with the bond at all? But right. again, the the one the the limited study I had seen uh, sh you know, showed that it didn't. You got you could return the bond strengths back to normal by by cleaning out with that with uh, with a bleach containing product. So right. So once you have the crown clean, you've tried it in. You've uh, properly cleaned the inside of the crown. You have your isolation. You're ready to cement. Could you tell us about the types of cement uh, out there right now that pertain to cementing in uh, a zirconia? Sure. Yeah, a zirconia Absolutely. Too. Yeah, so when I think of cements, I kind of think of them in, in three different levels. Like you've got the ones that are probably the easiest to use but the least retentive, and these would be the glass onomer, resin-modified glass onomer type materials. And, um, again, they're... They're moisture tolerant and they're easy to clean up, but they're going to provide you with the lowest retention. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the next step up from there would be like the self-adhesive resin cements. And these are materials that I always tell people you use them in almost exactly the same way that you would use a resin modified glass on or a tooth because you're not, you don't actually have to put anything on the, on the tooth. You uh, just take your crown and you know, you can put the pri a primer in the inside of the crown if you want, or some of these you don't even need a primer on the inside of the crown. Just fill them up with um, cement and seat your crown. The only difference is you have to make sure that you get good isolation, and the cleanup's a little bit, you know, a little bit more uh, challenging than with a resin modified glass onomer. And then, you know, when you when I really need retention, I think of the kind of the highest levels, those being kind of the conventional resin cements that you use with a tooth primer. So you've got some kind either a bonding agent or a tooth primer that you apply um, onto the onto the tooth and then you fill your you know put a primer on the crown and fill your uh, your crown up with cement and you seed it and um, one example of that would be like the Panavia V5 and they actually make it easy for you on that system because it's got the one bottle says tooth primer one bottle says ceramic primer and then you've got your cement that goes with it and again right. that Ceramic primer is the one that's that's got MDP and silane, so you could use it for Emacs and zirconia. And the, the tooth primer is a self-etching tooth primer, so you just apply that to the tooth. Right. Um, Do you have to prepare so, the tooth before you put that tooth primer on? No, you don't have to. You no don't etching? have to. Etch, you don't etch it. It's a yeah, self-etching primer. Okay, you just good. apply it directly into the tooth. You do have to get isolation, but you apply that directly to the tooth. Um, so yeah, that's the um, 
those are that's kind of how I think of those three different resin modified glass isomers. We got our next. We got our self adhesive resin cements is is the next level of retentiveness, and then the most retentive would be the ones that have the primers. You know, if I have a three millimeter tall you know, premolar molar crown preparation and the walls are not overly tapered, then I'm I'm thinking about just using a regular resin modified glass onomer um with with the zirconia crowns. Again, uh sorry, one other thing I left out is assuming that I have sufficient occlusal reduction uh, so, so sufficient thickness of my ceramic. Then I'm just thinking resin modified glass onomer because then I don't have to worry as much about uh salivary contamination and I don't have to and the cleanup's going to be easier. Once I've got shorter crowns or thinner crowns is when I'm starting to think more into the resin cement area. Um, and so, you know, if I'm thinking between self-adhesive resin cement and resin cement with tooth primer, I mean, if it's a really short crown and I'm just kind of crossing my fingers and hoping the thing's going to stay on is when I'm thinking about using the one that's got a primer on it. Um, the self-adhesive ones obviously are much easier to use, and and since you don't have to apply primer on the tooth, you don't, you know, if it's a second molar and I'm just doing everything I can to create some temporary isolation, then I, and if I don't feel like I can keep my tooth primer isolated while I'm doing the procedure, then I'm I'm, I'm more likely to go with the self-adhesive uh, resin cement. Excellent description. So you mentioned one cement or a couple of cements. So their so their their cement that they use as a primer is the uh, Panavia V5, and it comes it has this, the clear fill ceramic primer, so that's the one that contains silane and MDP, and it's mm-hmm. got um, the tooth primer, and and then the cement itself is called V5. Uh, another example in that category would be like um, uh, Relax Ultimate uh, and Scotch Bond Universal from 3M, mm-hmm. um, and there's a and you know there's a, there's many different cements in in that category. The self adhesive uh, resin cement. Uh, Curari's got a product there called uh, Panavia SA, and another, and then 3M's version of that would be like the um, uh, Relax Unisem 2 was their self-adhesive resin cement. And the neat thing about those two cements is the cements themselves actually contain the MDP monomer in there. For zirconia crowns, you literally can just, you don't have to p- apply a primer onto the inside of the crown, you just fill the crown up with cement, and put it right onto the tooth. And we've done some testing uh, recently. We did these crown retention testing, which are some of the most tedious tests to do, and they're expensive, and you can only do so many samples because you're literally making a crown for every specimen oh, that you my. do. And we did some tests with those, and they both performed really well with zirconia crowns where no primer was used. So um, Very interesting. But, yeah. Ease of use. Um, you talked about uh, self-adhesive resin cement. With MDP, the MDP primer for the zirconia crowns, and you mentioned a couple. I think you said it was uh, Panavia SA or Unisem. Panavia SA from Curari, and then Unisem too from from right. Those are that have those are two that we've tested. There might there probably are others out there that contain MDP. Those are like I said with those tests, they're so hard to do that we can only test so many cements. But yeah, we uh-huh. tested those those two. They both did really uh, well. Um, as far as, you know, again, no primer, nothing on the, on the tooth. Right. Um, so those, a nice thing about the, the SA was the cleanup was, was, um, pretty good with the SA. I mean, all resin cements, you know, the first time I ever used a resin cement to cement a, a crown, I bonded the tooth to the tooth next to it. 
little practice and I, we didn't have super floss and I, I ran across the street to the grocery store and bought some super floss and brought it back to floss out the contact. Yeah, now, but, I hear, um, now I hear you have a whole closet of super floss. That's what they do. <laughs> so when you say, yeah, I never want to happen again. Yeah, right. Now and you'll never use it again, right? Um, <laughs> when you mentioned SA, um, Nate, Dr. Lawson, you, you're talking about Panavia SA. That's the product. Panavia SA. Yeah, Panavia SA. Right. All right. Well, I think we covered a lot of stuff here. Um, anything you want to add about um, any types of clinical tips you want to throw at us? You mentioned some great clinical uh, preparation techniques that you talked about, uh, clinical applications. You talked about short molars, Maryland bridges, uh, discolored preps. You talked about uh, treating the inside of the, the crown and why they come off. Um, yeah, maybe one, maybe one last uh, one thing I get asked sometimes is, let's say you're in your your practice and you it's either a crown that you did a while ago and you've forgotten about or it's a crown that someone else did and now you've inherited this patient and you just got this crown sitting there and you're going to rebond it and you don't know if it's an Emacs crown or if it's a zirconia crown um oh this is just a little trick i found or right and or also you know sometimes you get a crown back from the lab and you're not sure you know maybe you didn't weren't sure exactly you took it out of the bag and you don't remember if it's an Emacs crown or zirconia crown the little trick is you can uh take it outside the mouth and put it on a film and x-ray it and if it's wide opaque like the you know completely wide opaque that or completely radio opaque uh you'll know it's a zirconia crown if it's radiolucent it's um oh that's a great tip it's yeah. a, a crown so that's a way to identify types of crown you know because if you just look at them it's be really hard to tell so, so even the monolithic zirconia um, not the monolithic, the uh, more tra the translucent. Yeah, yeah. they look exactly the same in the X-ray. Yeah. Oh, okay, that would show up very opaque. Both the uh, older generation zirconia and the newer ones would show up also very white on the X-ray. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, we uh we've done that and and taken some some X-rays to, that, to that's, show that. That's very. That's a great tip because um otherwise it's really hard to know what you're really dealing with, which mm -hmm. is, um if you didn't fabricate it yourself in the office. All right. Well, that was fantastic information, Dr. Lawson. We um, love your insight, and uh, we certainly want to have you on future ones. There's so many different topics that we can talk about here, and I hope our listeners uh, hung in there through the whole podcast. It was, I think it was only 15, 20 minutes. I'm sure they can handle that. And if you <laughs> haven't heard Dr. Lawson's previous ones, I, I certainly recommend them. And um, I guess if you want to if I guess they could somebody could send you an email if they want. They'll have to look you up at uh, University of Alabama. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a website that's just my name is drnatelawson.com. Um, we have an Instagram page where we post a bunch of dental research stuff, and it's called Dentinal Tube. So it's Dentinal Tube. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, my email uh, is publicly out there. It's, it's nlawson at uab.edu. And um, yeah, I, I like talking about dental materials, right, strangely right, enough. Great. So, so, um, yeah, yeah. so the, the website again is, is drnatelawson.com, right? Yep. Yeah, if you want me to come out to uh, any study club, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be there, and you can find me on that website. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Dr. Nate Lawson, Dr. Com, um, he's an expert on materials. He's a Ph.D. and is a practicing dentist, assistant professor in Division of Biomaterials at uh, University of Alabama in Birmingham, UAB. So, uh, again, Dr. Lawson, it was a pleasure to have you on for these three podcasts, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on more programs in the future. Oh, thank you, fellas. Uh, definitely been a pleasure.